Welcome to The Strategic Marketer, where we talk about strategies, tactics, and practical steps to help you become a more strategic marketer. I'm your host, Joseph Lewin, and today's guest is Edin Bidani. Edin is a conversion copywriter and acquisition specialist working with SaaS, tech, and B2B companies. She is one of my favorite copywriters to follow on LinkedIn. She gives these great one-minute conversion copywriting tips. When we recorded this episode, I was still working for Kadena's Part Solutions. So when I'm referring to my company or where I work, uh, I'm referring to, to Kadena's. In this episode, Ed and I talk about whether copy needs to be short to connect with buyers. We talk through what copywriting is, how to do research for effective copywriting, and what it takes to get buyers to take the next action that you want them to take. So without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. Eden, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I've really enjoyed seeing your content on LinkedIn, and um, I'm, I'm really excited to jump into the conversation with you today. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, does business writing need to be short? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I know there is this thing or there's um, in conversation, there's this kind of notion that people don't read online or people don't read long copy or people don't read um, white papers or long form blog posts or skyscraper content on things like any like that anymore. There's, you know, with TikToks invading everything, YouTube shorts, all these kinds of things, people think that short content is the only type of content that people engage with anymore. And it's just simply not true. Hmm. People will engage with any type of copy, long, short, in any type of format, if it's interesting to them. If it's something that's interesting, that people will sit and they will finish a novel in an entire, you know, they'll finish a 300-page novel in an entire afternoon. They'll finish a white paper if it's written in a really engaging manner while sitting on their lunch break. They will browse through numerous blog posts one after another if the topics are really catchy and it's something that they they can draw value from or they feel like they've gained something as a result of reading so again and people sit and they will binge watch netflix for like five or six hours again in a row so people will read and engage with any type of content if it's interesting to them and that's the key so it's not a matter of whether copy needs to be long or short it's whether is the copy interesting enough for my audience and if it's uh, interesting to them is if it's on a topic that's interesting to them if it's written in a way that's engaging and pulls them into reading it and it's very in terms of especially if you're writing for the web if it's written or formatted in a way that's engaging for them or it's easy for them to scroll and navigate throughout the page or throughout the website then it will get read and just just from experience, I mean, even um, even recently, I worked with a company on a long form landing page. This was not B two B, but this was um, this was something else. And they were running display ads to a long form landing page. And when I say long form, I mean wow. this is about three thousand words long, and it's converting at twenty five percent. No way um, from a display ad. So you know, go for it because to the particular readers, this is this is something that was interesting to them. And in the context of what they were reading or what they were clicking through before they landed on, before they came across the display ad, it fit in well as well with the mindset of what, where they were currently at. So it was something that was that was pretty easy for them. It was very easy for them to adjust between what they were doing before and then they clicked on the ad and then moving to the, the long-form learning page after. But the transition was very easy for them. And 
the page is converting well. So if the content is interesting, if the copy is interesting, it will get read, whether it's long or short. Yeah, and I I would probably include in there uh, another reason that people might read something that's long is if they really need an answer to something or there's a problem that they're experiencing that's significant enough and you answer that question. I mean, I've read blog posts that are super long or watch videos that are long about some where where it's not even well written or the video is not even that good of quality, but it's talking about something that I need to know and I can't find that information anywhere else. So, you know, it's I, it, it that makes it interesting. That that's one reason though that it could be interesting to people is not just that it's like well written and entertaining, but because it it solves a problem that that needs to be solved. Absolutely. And it walks you through the process of actually how to solve the problem. So again, it's, uh, so when I, when I say, when we say interesting in terms of the copy is interesting, it's interesting as in they're able to extract some sort of value, whether that value is entertainment, whether that value is information like education, whether it's just something else, um, ideas for a project, creativity, or just relax, you know, just having fun. There are lots of different ways that they can extract value. The point is if it's valuable for them that's that's kind of the golden rule. Yeah, I agree with you. And it, it's kind of funny because some of the posts that I've posted on LinkedIn that have done the best were when I was focusing more on what my industry that I'm working in right now is, which is engineering. And I had written this article that's 70, I think it's 7,500 word article on an, an engineering topic. And um, then I had recorded just literally me reading straight through the post. And on video and put it at the top of the page just because I, I needed a video on there. And I was like, well, let's try this and see how it works. And it's a 45 minute video. Um, and so I ended up taking, um, well, first of all, it gets, I think, 25% of the people that hit that page watch the video and watch an average of 25% of a 45 minute video. So, that's you know, crazy. that's already kind of crazy to me that that people would, that many people would watch it and that that many people would um, you know, watch that length of, of the video. But then second, I took it and I broke it down into 10 pieces that were about four or five minutes long. And then it was right when LinkedIn switched over to their 3000 character limit. And I wrote a summary of what was covered in that five minute section of video. And it covered the full 3000 characters. I didn't break it down with spaces or anything. I used normal paragraphs. And those are still some of my best engaged content on LinkedIn was long form, long videos. And everybody says that that's exactly the opposite of what you should do. But um, it was interesting to, you know, this audience of engineers that wanted to hear that content. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that just, again, if it was interesting to them, it was on a topic that was interesting to them. They were able to extract value from the content. I mean, people are very, very quick to to figure out if they're able to extract content from extract value from something or not. So in the first kind of few seconds of them starting to engage with any piece of copy, they're able to assess like, is this something that's going to be interesting to me? Am I going to be able to extract value from it? And once they've, you know, once they've ticked that box and they've said yes, then they will dive right in and you'll see people coming to a page, spending 25 minutes, 30 minutes on a video and that's, you know, that's pretty incredible. And people say, no, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 90 seconds max. And that's just, it's just not true. Yeah, no, so I, I, I totally agree with you. And so one thing I wanted to cover today is, so I, I write a lot of blog content and, you know, I feel like a lot of marketers 
are writing blog content, SEO content. So what is the difference between copywriting and just typical blog content? And, um, you know, maybe you could just give us also a good definition of, of what copywriting is. Set the record straight for people. Yeah, absolutely. So this, and you're right, this is a topic that has come up on LinkedIn a lot as well recently with a lot of job postings saying, we want someone that does this and this and this and this. And it's kind of like, well, you need a copywriter and a content writer. There's, I'll put it this way, a copywriter um, can usually write content. A content writer will usually struggle to write copy. I'm not saying there are exceptions to the rule, obviously, but this is how it's kind of broken down. A copywriter is usually the deliverables that they're writing are usually meant to help achieve a specific goal. They're meant to take the reader from one place in the customer journey or in the funnel or in a different stage of awareness to bring them to a different stage of awareness by the time they've finished um, finished reading or engaging with that deliverable and have clicked through and then to inspire them to actually take perform that action. So whereas content can also move people from one step to another in the funnel. It can educate them. It can nurture them. It can do all of these amazing things, but it's usually not geared towards driving a specific action. So it's usually not saying by the time they've reached the bottom of the page, they will want to do this. Uh, they will want to take the next step. They will want to sign up and put in their information to get a demo. They might. It can still happen. That's where the line sometimes gets a little bit blurred, but often with copywriting, it's really look at driving a specific action with the content. So whether that is an ad, an email, a landing page, or website copy, the point is the reader comes in at a certain point. So you need to help them make that shift. So it's not just about learning something. It's about helping them learn something. And then that learning encourages them to take the next step. Yeah, I I would almost think of content as being, in a sense, like more like a billboard in that it's it's something that you – read, you consume, and it helps build brand recognition, brand awareness. I mean, obviously it's totally different than a billboard, but just in comparison, you know, it's something that you see, it could help, you know, you might make a phone call directly from seeing a billboard, probably not, but it is that kind of, okay, I've seen this, it's building brand reputation with this company, um, or maybe maybe in some sense, like uh, watching a, a documentary or something like that, and you go, oh, wow, I really enjoyed this documentary from National Geographic, yeah. I want to go to their website and learn more about them and, you know, go through, go through other stuff. But it's more like building awareness about that brand because of the information that you've learned and you've gained from it. Whereas the copywriting would be almost more like an ad that you see where you click on it and take an action. And if somebody doesn't take that action, the ad didn't really achieve its goal in a sense. Exactly. Exactly. So the real the real fine line there um, between content and copy is really that there are lots of, I mean, again, the line can be blurred in a lot of cases and a lot of content writers do switch to become copywriters or vice versa. Some copywriters do find that they, they prefer writing content. Um, but again, there's, it's a very special skill set to be a content writer. I'm not, I'm not saying this to, I'm not saying to, to beat down on any content writers. I have full respect for them, content marketers and content writers. They have a really tough job to do. It's not something that I can do, which is why I'm in copywriting. Um, so, but it's a very, very specific skill set to be able to take content or to take an idea and develop this amazing, incredible long story or not even long story, but even short stories to really develop these strong stories and narratives and pull that um, that achieve the, those marketing goals, as you mentioned. Whereas in the other case with copywriting, a lot of it's 
first of all, it also gets tested a lot. So it's not like content where you have a solid piece of content and it, it will be updated and it will get tweaked from time to time, but copywriting is going to be tested a lot and t- tested aggressively as well. Mm. So you have multiple headlines, you're going to have multiple CTA, different CTAs, you're going to have multiple hooks you're trying to use. So it, there's, it's a, it's just two very, very different skill sets, even though they're know, kind of in that same field. Yeah, you're going to know right away whether the copywriting is working, whereas with an article, sometimes it takes months before... You're even going to know whether it works, you know, whether you're ranking for these keywords or, you know, it can take a significant amount of time. And then when you make changes to it, again, it could take a week or two or it could take even months after making changes before you would increase in rankings and really see value from it. Whereas with copywriting, you're going to send people to this landing page, probably from an ad and... If it didn't work, (laughs) you're going to be in hot water a lot faster if copywriting doesn't work than if your content doesn't work. Exactly. You're going to get to statistical significance fairly, fairly quickly, especially if you're running paid paid traffic to any any of the copywriting deliverables that we're talking about. So you're going to see, start to see results very, very quickly, so either good or bad. But they'll they'll give you an indication and then there's a process of optimizing it and then trying again. The benefit of that is that you can really learn quickly from from what you're doing. You know, you get that immediate feedback. Whereas when you're writing an article, uh, um, it could be really hard to get feedback on that and to know whether it's working or not. Um, and then if you have if every change that you make, you have to wait a month or two or three before you'd see whether it had any effect or not. You know, it can be a little bit hard to get learning from that. So I think that's. Uh, one benefit of the copywriting side is you can kind of get that immediate feedback and um, and start working on your content. This week's episode of The Strategic Marketer is brought to you by the Brand Compass course. If you're looking to take your marketing services side hustle to the next level, the Brand Compass course is for you. In the course, you're going to learn how to identify your ideal customers, and narrow down to serve a niche market. Then you're gonna learn how to productize your offering so that it's easier for customers to understand exactly what you do for them. And then you're gonna put all of this information into a one-page messaging guide. That way you can use your customer's language to speak exactly to their pain points and problems every single time. Check out the show notes for a link to the course. So what is your approach to copywriting? Because I know, you know, different people kind of take take different approaches to writing, uh, to, to copywriting. Yeah, absolutely. So from my perspective, so I'm a conversion copywriter. So what that means is we are really, first of all, the copy is absolutely geared towards helping the reader take that specific action. So that is a primary goal. Whatever we're looking, whatever we're writing, we're looking to drive to help them take that specific action by the time they've finished reading. Um, and as a result, their research makes up 80% of the work when it comes to this type of copywriting. So we're looking at user research, audience research, competitor research, voice of customer data, you know, all of that juicy information that we can get, that is going to give us the right strategy. That well, that gives us the right strategy in the right direction, and it gives us an indication as to what we need to use in the copy, how we should structure the copy, what messages need to be used in order to help it convert. So really the research 
and the strategy is 80% of what goes into it. And then 20% is kind of writing creative part that you get to put the, your own spin on it. Yeah. So when it comes to the customer research side, what, what does that look like? Like, how do you go about figuring out what your audience is looking for and what, what's the process for, for doing some of that research? Cause again, I mean, that different people are going to take a different approach to doing, doing customer research. So what does that process look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I find the more, the best way usually to get the, the most rich insights is um, first of all, is to try and interview a company's customers as much as possible, aside from getting to know the team and getting to know the product or the, the service or the company from the inside out, because that's also important. Again, um, taking it for a tangent for a second, when we look at copywriting, we have from the company side, we have the strategic business, business objectives and we have the messages that the company wants to say. On the other hand, we have what the customers want to hear in order to convert. So it's like a Venn diagram. You have that little sliver in the middle where those messages overlap and that's what we're looking to find. So first of all, it's usually researching really deeply the company and the market and where it's positioned and what its goals are um, and knowing the product or the service from the inside out. And then it's also getting deep into the customer research. So it's interviewing the customers one by one, trying to get um, a handle on their experiences, see what they really, what they were struggling with in their lives or in their business when they decided to, when they realized that this is something they needed help with, getting really deep into those jobs to be done style interviews and as well, even conducting a customer survey. So to try and gather again, um, kind of insights at scale. I like to do, I like to do both because I feel that the customer into the voice of customer research, the job to be done interviews, they give you really rich, juicy pieces of information and deep insights. And they give you golden mm -hmm. messages that you can go and actually just copy paste and apply to the copy afterwards. Um, mm. But at the same time, if you run as well a customer survey, you're able to get feedback at scale and so you can actually map between the two and see so I it's see. not you're not just relying on the opinions of three people who thought the product was awesome you can actually take a take a step back and look at what 300 people have said even if it's just a quick glance but you'll see if it matches up if it's more or less something that is relatable or if it's something that it's a trend that other people are saying as well and that gives you an indication so this is a really strong angle that we can try. This is a really strong phrase that we should call out or this is the sentiment that people are saying so we really need to emphasize this or this is what 300 people have said what's important. The other people that we interviewed as well said it was important so this is really something that we, that we need to emphasize in the copy. And then, again, look at how that maps, how that fits in with what the business is looking to do or what messages it's trying to get across about the product. Yeah. So you mentioned two things I want to, I want to ask you about there. So the first one is, you know, you mentioned jobs to be done. Can you explain that framework a little bit or, or what you mean by jobs to be done? Yeah, absolutely. So the jobs to be done is basically, um, the theory that we, we all have something that we want to do. So we don't buy products or services just for the sake of buying. We don't, uh, we don't really purchase anything. We are hiring quote unquote, we are hiring something um, an item that we purchase because we want it to do a job. So, and that job can be, it can be something emotional. It can be a, like a physical job around the house. It could be, um, a business job. There's lots of different jobs that it can be defined. So job is not, I, I'll give you to take it back. I'll give you an example. I think it was from, um, Harvard business school. You know, people don't buy a drill because they, because, um, 
People don't drive buy a drill for the sake of buying a drill. They buy a drill because they want a quarter inch hole in the wall so they can put in a screw, so they can hang the family picture that their mother gave them for their birthday. And so when their mother comes to visit, their mother is going to get is going to be really pleased and really happy. So what's the end job of that drill is actually doing? It's not he's not buying a drill because it's because it's got three hundred different parts that you can uh, that you know that you can switch in and out with it. But he's buying a drill because at the end of the day he wants to upgrade this, his living room and make people feel happy and warm. Yeah, and the, and the the consumer is going to care a lot less about the features and benefits of the drill than the hole in the wall and the, that drill's ability to help them reach that goal. And I mean, the, the only point where somebody's really going to care about that is, I mean, being somebody who buys drills, both, <laughs> you know, uh, for projects around my house. And back in the day when I, when I was working in more construction jobs, then, you know, then you might care a little bit more about the features and benefits, but even then, uh, honestly, it was more about what are the other guys that I I work with use, <laughs> and yeah. you know what are the trusted brands in this space that that, that on, if I'm thinking back to my decision making with that, it was it was honestly brand reputation ba- based on how those tools performed over time, even more than like going to the website and reading the specific specs, which is always what they have on those websites anyway. So um, yeah, it's, it it just tends to to be less about features and benefits when you when you're making your own purchasing decisions. Um, so then, I mean, how much it's the same thing when people are going to buy from you. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's, again, it's the, it's what is, it's just getting that clarity on what the customers or what the client's end goal actually is. So what are they really looking to do as a result? So it's just a matter of peeling back those layers and trying to get at the heart of what they really want. So it doesn't mean that you're going to because otherwise every drill company is going to say the same thing, make your living room look beautiful with this drill, but, that could fit for like a hundred different other products. So it's not just related to a drill, but it's really, right. you know, a, a number of other different products. It's kind of weaving that narrative in. It's kind of, yeah, it is where gently weaving, um, weaving that in at some point. So either by use cases or at least connecting it to the idea of the end transformation or what you can do with it. Again, how you can apply it. So just to give them ideas of what you can do around the house with this said drill. So it works the same. It's the same for software for e-commerce products. It's the same, I'll give you an example for a luxury handbag. Why do people, why do women buy luxury handbags? They're not, they're not practical. <laughs> they often, they often don't, they don't always hold up really well, but they give, you know, they can give people something much, much more than just the handbag. If you were looking, if you wanted to go from a logical perspective, look, this handbag and this handbag, a handbag you right. could buy for 50 to a hundred dollars from a department store is going to serve is probably going to serve most women much, much better than this luxury blue pink thing. But at the same time, there's this, <laughs> right. like this, but there's status, there's emotional, um, there's emotions, there's all these kinds of social things as well and emotional cues that can be attached to the luxury bag. And that, and at the same time, that's fulfilling yeah. those needs. It's That's the job that you're getting the bag to do. You're not actually, if you were looking just for a practical bag, you would go to a department store. You don't need to buy a bag because functionally they can do the same thing. And again, the cheaper bag can actually perform better from that perspective. But in terms right. of what you're actually buying a bag for, what's that job that it's doing? What is that end result that it's helping or the end transformation that the customer is seeing in their life as a result of purchasing the bag? That's what we want to get to the to the heart of. Yeah. And kind of going back to that drill example and why customer research is important is, you know, if you have a, 
a consumer drill, then it's drilling the hole in the wall to make your house look pretty. But if you're selling a contractor drill, then it's going to be, hey, this is going to hold up for you. Um, You can get be in the pouring rain and it's going to just keep working for you. You don't have to worry about getting electrocuted, (laughs) you know, whatever. And so the jobs to be done change drastically with the same tool based on the audience that's going to be purchasing it. And so that's why that audience research is important because you can talk to the people at the company all day and they can tell you features and benefits, but then that jobs to be done, you really figure that out much more significantly when you talk to end users. Absolutely. Absolutely. Strategic Marketer is brought to you in part by Thrive Themes. Thrive Themes is a killer visual WordPress editor. They've also recently launched editable themes so that you can edit every element of your WordPress theme. You can create amazing landing pages that are beautiful and conversion focused. They've built all of their products around helping you convert more leads into customers. You can find out more about Thrive Themes by clicking the link in the show notes. How do you go about uh, figuring out and developing a strategy for writing copy? So usually, again, it comes back to, from my perspective, it comes back to the customer research. So that for me is the most important. Aside from, I mean, again, aside from having the, the company's input because the company's input is very important, but I always start off every project by saying, look, I really want to hear what people are saying about the product and I really want to get to the heart of that because um when you look, when you look at again, at the end of the day, it's nice if a website is look looks great and it looks shiny and corporates happy with it and the investors are happy with it and the board of directors is happy with it. But at the end of the day, who's actually using the website? It's the customers. So we need to make sure that that is structured in a way for them. The copy is structured in a way that it's intuitive. They feel that it speaks to them. They don't feel that it's coming from this top down perspective. They feel that it's really someone that's speaking to them eye to eye um, to have and that's that's what we find in the customer research I think that it's always really critical in terms of mapping out the strategy and looking what messages we need to say what kind of hierarchy do the messages need to appear in on the page what's most important what's the number one burning problem what's the second most burning problem what's the third most burning problem um, as well because it's not just again dumping the messages that we have on the page is in ranking them as well in the order to most to least important. So I, for me, the customer research just always helps outline the strategy when approaching a page. Yeah, and I, I would say that's important no matter what kind of content you're writing, but it's a step that I, I think is becoming more common because a few years ago I was working um, with small businesses and I started to develop a framework of interviewing customers more because I just started to realize that's where the in, that's where the good information was coming from was from customers. It wasn't from what this business owner was saying, and the business owner usually had no idea why people bought their stuff, you know, and they'd assume all of these things, and then you'd be looking from the outside, and you'd be like, ah, I don't think that's why people are buying from you. So then I started interviewing customers and talking about that, and you know, a couple of years ago, I didn't really see that many people especially on LinkedIn, talking about that as heavily. But over the last couple of years, it seems like it's becoming more common for 
good marketers to say, okay, you need to be interviewing your customers. That's like baseline. Everybody needs to do it. But I mean, I would say that's important for, for writing content as well. Because if you don't know who the audience is, you don't know the problem they're trying to solve, um, then then how are you going to get them from point A to point B, even if it's not as quick of a conversion? Mm-hmm. And one other note um, is copywriting can help change people's minds and like have them make a transformation just while they're reading yes. that page. But at the same time, they have to already recognize to some degree the problem that they have if they're actually going to take that action and spend money on it, unless it's really inexpensive. Whereas with long form content, that's where you can kind of create demand a little bit more because you have a longer runway to change somebody's mind over, you know, long, potentially long blog content and then over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're trying to switch somebody's mind from like they do it this way and they've always done it this way to completely rethinking everything. Um, I mean, you can correct me on that because I'm sure there's copywriters and, uh, you know, uh, there is a, always an opportunity to make somebody make that mindset shift, but that can take a long time. Whereas with the conversion copywriting, it's more like this is a problem that somebody has. They can easily recognize that they have that problem or they already do. And then they can really take an action on it because you're saying, hey, you have this problem. We got a solution for you. Right. So there, I mean, and what what you've said, like what you've said is correct, but there are also many different applications of it. So copywriting does with the from the perspective of copywriting, each deliverable doesn't always start from the stage of pain or problem aware. So that really depends on where the customer is in terms of their stage of awareness as well. And you're absolutely right that people who are researching or if it's a, if it's an expensive or a high ticket product, it's something that people usually take time to weigh up the decision. So they need a lot more nurturing simply because it's there's a lot more risk involved in the purchase. So they need to be reassured of their decisions. Mm. They need to have have the right expectations of how it's going to perform. So if you're sending, you know, if you're selling a software that costs you $100,000 a year, it's a very different process to, you know, the copy and the content you need to support that is a very different process to copy and content that's going to support something that's, it's a $5 thing that you can buy anywhere off Facebook, right. just some knickknack, I don't know, from wish.com. So, All right. um, and so it's, so the, Again, it depends really on what the what the audience's starting stage of awareness is or what their likely stage of awareness is going to be. And not and when we talk about conversions, a conversion doesn't necessarily mean purchase and it doesn't necessarily mean translation into revenue immediately. It depends on what your offer is. When we talk about conversions, it can be just moving them from one stage of awareness to the next, to the next. So that is by they've, they've read through a landing page and they want to sign up to get the newsletter so that they keep getting more information. They keep getting more I information see. like this. So they want to sign up to get a free course sent over email. That's fine. That's the initial conversion. So there is still in pain problem awareness. We haven't sold them anything yet, but the conversion, we're bringing them to a point where we have this information we can share with you. You need to click here to take that next step. Or if it is in terms of a purchase, so it can be like a long form sales page or it can be a product page for an e-commerce site where they can actually purchase directly on the page, that's going to as well be structured very differently because we are structuring for purchases. So they're likely, so, but as well, when you have a product page, there's people coming in at lots of different stages of awareness. So it's not just people who are most aware with high intent. There are people who are coming here who have just seen the ad for the first time and they're visiting the page for the very first time. So you do also need to talk about the pain and problem in those instances. 
websites, for example, especially corporate websites, usually people are more product aware when they land on these pages for the on these websites for the first time, simply because they might have seen them on LinkedIn, someone recommended them, they came through organic search, they saw an ad on, on another platform. So they will have some knowledge usually about the company or what it is and what it does. And you don't necessarily need to talk about the pain and problem again. You can actually launch right into talking about the product and then make reference at another I point. See. So well, again, like I said, what you said was correct, but then it really depends on what your audience's starting stage of awareness is as to how the copy should be structured to meet that. Yeah, so it's almost just looking for if it, if it was if you had to create demand for something that people don't recognize. Because I'm thinking in terms of what I'm working on. We yeah. have two products at at the company that I work for, and one of them is uh, people can understand really quickly why they need it. And I mean, it helps marketers at industrial marketing companies increase sales qualified leads from their current website traffic. You know, it's a little more complicated than that, but that's the basic idea. Most marketers go, okay, I can see the value in that. I understand, you know, I have a certain amount of leads I'm supposed to generate, or I'm responsible for bringing a certain amount of revenue to the sales team, whatever the case would be. Um, Okay, I get why that's important. On the other side, we have this engineering software that people have no idea they have this pain, but they have no idea how this product is going to help solve that pain. And they've been told by much bigger companies that this pain point will be solved by their software, and it isn't. But then we have to show them and convince them over, it usually takes a long period of time, hey, you have this problem. It's actually a big deal. And here's why this problem is a big deal that you might not really understand how big of a problem this actually is for you. And then the way that these companies are telling you to solve it doesn't work. This is a much better way to solve that problem. And mm-hmm. um, it, it it seems like it's a little harder to get that second one for somebody to do to make that big of a transformation in their mindset over one page. But then like you're saying, that transformation or that action, the, I, I guess the difference is just you have a specific action on that page that you want somebody to take. So it might just be making them aware of the problem and then having that next call to action, whatever it would be, maybe a, a webinar or you know an ebook or a newsletter, they're taking that action so that they can move to that next phase of being okay. Now they're problem aware, mm-hmm. and then your next phase of of uh, copy is going to be taking them then from problem aware to solution aware or um, yeah. you know something along those product aware. Yes, abs- absolutely. So again, when we, we take it regardless you take a holistic perspective at least it, it try to come um, approach any situation with a holistic perspective and say look what we are doing here how is that going to affect everything else that's happening on with the rest of the funnel the rest of the customer journey so again it's not i'll just give you an example it's not enough to write a piece of copy and say like click here and you'll get a hundred bucks like you'll get a hundred percent conversion rate for sure but if people click through and right. there's not a hundred bucks <laughs> on the other side it's like well what are you going to do? So it's actually um, it's actually important to have a full idea of the entire funnel about what's happening, what people, what are the other steps in the journey, what are they going to see, what messages they see before they come across this deliverable project we're working on, what they'll see after it, how this actually fits in. Because at the end of the day, all copy ultimately, it's like all of demand gen. We're just trying to help bring in more revenue, you know, bring in more. Um, bring in more closed opportunities and things like that. Um, but at the same time, again, 
having that knowledge of how the what you're working on currently fits into the context is is really important again because it doesn't have to be not every piece of copy is about pushing to to close a sale but it at, at, it will be contributing to that at some point in the pipeline yeah that makes sense and i know i kind of asked you similar questions over and over again but i'm just trying to trying to get down to to the differences between the two because um I, I think I'm more familiar probably with cap copywriting than your average marketing person at a at a smaller company, which tends to be tends to be, I think, the people that that will be listening to this. Um and and there's always a little, still a little bit of confusion for me. So I wanted no, to, to try to clarify that right, okay. where it's you know more action oriented, you know, where you have this you're trying to drive revenue in the end of the day and you understand how what you're writing is contributing mm-hmm. to that uh, to one degree or another. Whereas when you're writing content, sometimes it's just about getting the right kind of traffic to the page and you're not as concerned about how they're going to convert on that particular, that particular piece. Um, so with that, to wrap it up, um, what are some practical steps that marketers can take to write more effective copy? Um, first of all, if, they, if it's a struggle for them to interview customers or there's red tape or bureaucracy, or it's just very, very difficult because the customers are not very responsive or they don't like to talk, um, which is also something that happens. Um, try and just, I would say we we call it social listening. I think. I mean, I was going to say snooping, but it's like I think the correct politically correct term for it is social listening. So try and find out where your audience congregates online. Try and find out where they hang out. If it's a private, if it's an industry specific Slack group, if there's a Facebook group, if there's a LinkedIn group, um, find thought leaders in the in the, in the same industry that are posting on LinkedIn. See what they're posting about. Read what people are commenting, but not just what they're posting about. Read what people are commenting on their posts. See how people are interacting. So see, uh, go find on Reddit threads about where people who have the same titles or have the same have a similar job or have a pain or problem that they're experiencing that you that you know it means they're related to your specific audience. And try and find out how people are communicating that way. See what they ask. Reddit as well, just as an aside, is actually great because it's anonymous. And people will be mu- hmm. feel much, much, much more comfortable to ask questions or say things or type things that they wouldn't in any other environment because it's anonymous. And so they feel with that with that anonymity, they actually open up even more. So you can find them really rich information um, through through that as well. Excellent. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast. I really appreciate it. What are some ways that people can connect with you or if they if they need a copywriting project done, how do they get in touch yeah, with absolutely. you? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way is through LinkedIn. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll put a link to your profile in the show notes of the, of the show. So yeah, thanks again. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to The Strategic Marketer wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could do me a personal favor and hit five stars on the rating, you don't have to leave a full review, just hit five stars. It would really help me out. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Strategic Marketer.